If I were to ask you to identify for me or to name for me the heaviest thing that you've ever carried in your life, would you allude to something physical, emotional, or spiritual? Now, there's, there's no doubt that every one of us have at times been asked to carry something that's physically heavy. I was kind of thinking about this over the course of my lifetime, things I've been asked to carry. Hey, can you help us move this refrigerator? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Talk about heavy. Can you help us move this pool table? Sure. I'll help move that. Or the worst of the worst are the sleeper sofas. And I, I, I swear those things are filled with rocks. They are so heavy. But my guess is, I think most of us would acknowledge that physical weight is nothing in comparison to emotional weight. I, I get to see this all the time as a pastor. Uh, talk with a family that's going through cancer with a loved one. I don't think there's much heavier than that. Uh, to watch someone that you love and care about suffering, that's heavy stuff. Uh, divorce, someone going through divorce. I, I've watched people lose 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. They can't eat. They can't sleep emotionally inside. They're being eaten up alive. It is heavy stuff. And then there is spiritual weight. And today I'm going to define spiritual weight as the weight that we feel when we care about someone who is apart from faith. And we, we recognize somewhere deep down inside of ourselves that if that person were to die today, they would die uh, apart from eternity with Jesus Christ. And I don't think there's anything heavier in all the world. I'm going to welcome you today to God Size Living. And today we're going to take on a topic that uh, I, I really wanted to think about out loud with you for, for a little while. And the topic, if I, if I could just give it a name, is, is the weight of care. Uh, how heavy is it when we are called by God to care about a soul? Let me tell you uh, that what got me started down this pathway was actually a book that I read uh, a number of summers ago. Uh, it's a book that um, came out in the year 2016. Uh, became an instant bestseller, stayed on the bestseller list for a number of years, a book simply titled, When Breath Becomes Air. Some of you will remember the book was written by a, a neurosurgeon by the name of Dr. Paul Calante. And the book actually served as his invitation for the reader to join him in his journey through lung cancer. And I got to tell you that from an emotional perspective, the book read a lot like a roller coaster. I mean, you talk about ups, you know, I mean, you, you're reading this story and you find yourself just cheering this person on and celebrating some of the medical breakthroughs and the hope filled moments that are part of his journey. But what goes up comes down and the roller coaster comes slamming down and there are medical failures. And ultimately, uh, Dr. Kalanthi dies, passes away. And probably the most emotional part of the book from, from a, the perspective of weight is the appendix written by his wife, Jill. And she gets to share her side of it, what it meant for her to walk through this painful journey with her husband. And, and then there's spiritual weight. I, I don't know Dr. Paul Kalanthi. I don't know his family, 
But just in reading the book, I found myself, uh, as I put the book down, just feeling heavy, everything inside of me. Because you come to recognize in the book that he is not a believer. In fact, that's where the title of the book comes from. It represents his philosophy when breath becomes air. In other words, when we die, our breath goes out into the air and that's it. We're all done. And I found that heavy just to, just to think about this person and to know that God calls us to, to really care for every single soul uh, on this planet created in his image. And I, I, I really believe that as we re-enter the narrative of Daniel today, this is where we're being taken. We're going to go into Daniel chapter four today. We're going to go right into the middle section of, of the of the chapter. And, and I'm going to tell you that this is a section that I think a lot of people could easily read and just um, kind of work through like it's background noise or background information. But I don't want us to miss this. I think it's I think it's a pretty critical part of the story of Daniel and our story when it comes to what it means for us to have the heart of God, to, to actually care for other people. Now, let me kind of take us back a little bit and let's get the context uh, around us again. Remember where we left off last week, where we left King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I'm going to borrow a little analogy here, a little metaphor. Um, king Nebuchadnezzar, king of, of Babylon, uh, borrowing from, from Paul Galante, has a cancer inside of himself that is killing him. Now, I was thinking about this, that when Paul Galante had cancer in him, he didn't know it, not, not until the first symptoms began to appear. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't seem to recognize that the cancer inside of him, the cancer that is killing him spiritually, is the, is the cancer of pride and God wants to take that cancer out of him. Now, to, to really understand what's going on, you have to get this. You have to recognize that despite the fact that Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan, despite the fact that he holds on to false gods, despite the fact that he has really a dark heart, despite the fact that he hurts thousands upon thousands of people, despite all of that, God loves him. God loves absolutely loves him and, and wants to, to rescue him, wants to bring him into faith. And, and what God is doing is using uh, dreams and actions to try to get Nebuchadnezzar's attention and to break this stubborn cancer of pride that is inside of himself. So Nebuchadnezzar receives what we're going to call a second dream. Remember the first dream in the story is the great statue. The second dream we talked a little bit about last week is, is a dream that's getting ready to show Nebuchadnezzar what God is going to do, not to him. I don't want to use that language, but for him. God wants to, wants to break this cancer of pride and bring him to himself. And so this, this second dream God gives to Nebuchadnezzar and again calls Daniel in to interpret it. Now, before we go there, before I read this, I want to put this into perspective for you. Has anyone ever hurt you so badly that somewhere deep down inside of yourselves, you either wish them dead or I'm going to take it a little further. You found yourself thinking, you know what? 
I hope that that person doesn't spend eternity in heaven. I hope they go to the other place. Now, that's a tough question to ask. And I know that everything inside of us would, would shout out almost immediately, no way, no way. Listen, I would never wish hell upon anyone. I, I, I think that's inside of us. But I want us to really wrestle today with what it means to be hurt by another person. Because Daniel was. Daniel was hurt deeply by King Nebuchadnezzar. And I don't think we should forget that, that that the ripe old age of 14 years old, he's ripped out of his home. He's separated from his parents and his family, from all of his dreams, from all of his hopes, from all of his desires. He's brought into Babylon. Many people historically believe that he's made not only an indentured servant, but potentially a, a eunuch. He's cut off from normal hu- humanity. And, and so he's been hurt deeply by Nebuchadnezzar. And yet, over the years now, as he's served him, I think God's working. God's working deeply inside of Daniel. And what is he working? To to follow Jesus Christ, I, I want us to think about this, is to take on the heart of God. And I believe that's been happening in Daniel. As he served this king and served this king and served this king, you know what? He's, he's become what? He's become uh, filled with care for a man who he, he sees as outside of faith. He cares about Nebuchadnezzar's soul. And so I, I want you to see this as this dream is given to, to Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel is asked to interpret it. How does Daniel respond? Does Daniel say, oh man, all right, God, give him the dream, give it to him. Or does, does Daniel respond with care? Now, now, remember the elements of the dream. In the dream, God is essentially saying to Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, here's what I'm getting ready to do to you. I'm going to take you off of your throne. You're going to lose your throne. I'm going to put you out into a field, a literal field. You're going to eat grass and you're going to moo like a cow. You talk about, you talk about breaking stubborn pride. That, that ought to do it, right? So how does Daniel, Daniel's got to interpret this for the king. How does he receive it? Does he say, all right, God, finally, you're going you're gonna to give it to this pagan king. Put him out in that field and let him rot. Put him out in that field and let him eat grass like a cow. I mean, Daniel's been hurt by this guy, but that's not his response. His response is a response of care. I'm just going to read one verse today, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray with me as we do that, because uh, I really want to, to have the Spirit just show us what's going on in this, this verse when it comes to the weight of care. Uh, the verse is verse 19. We're just going to pray, Lord, would you give us your insight and direction? What does it mean for us to be a people that care? The verse reads as follows, uh, verse 19, chapter 4, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. Okay, he's been given the dream by God. It says he's been dismayed for a while. His thoughts alarmed him. Then the king answered and said, Well, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, May the dream be for those who hate you 
and it's interpretation for your enemies. What's, what's Daniel's response here? How does he respond? I just want to make a, a couple of, of quick observations. The first observation is this, that Daniel's response, as I read it, signifies a deep-felt, intimate care for a man that's hurt him. Uh, I'm going to use, I want to use a little bit of Aramaic here because uh, the text is written in Aramaic and I think it makes a difference. So let me, let me compare uh, the English translation to uh, the Aramaic here. This is his response. It says again, verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. Now that English word dismayed almost makes it seem like Daniel is saying, oh, wow. Hell, wow, that's a pretty crazy thing you're going to do, God. Like, wow. But that's, that's not, not the meaning. The actual Aramaic verb that's used here is the verb shamas. And its literal interpretation, its more raw interpretation, would, would be the word devastated. Devastated. Now read it. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was devastated for a while. In other words, he hears what God is getting ready to do, and it devastates him. That changes it, doesn't it? I get devastated when I get bad news. When, when I hear, hey, this person's, this person's just been diagnosed with an incurable disease, or this person was just in a car accident, or this person's home just, just burned down. I mean, it's devastating. You're, you step back like, whoa, no, please don't let it be true. That's Daniel's response. As, as he hears what God's getting ready to do, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And, and, and so as he pulls back and thinks about what God's getting ready to do, uh, he's feeling, again, I could just call it the weight of care. Now, here's a second observation. His response to the king is a response that is just filled with grace. These are just gracious words. Remember that, that the king turns back around and says to Daniel, Daniel, or calls him Belshazzar, his, his Babylonian name, Belshazzar, don't be, don't really, don't be alarmed here. Don't be alarmed. And so what does Daniel say back to him? Again, the very end of verse 19, he says, my Lord, may this dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. In other words, I, I don't wish this upon you, but if this is what it takes, if this is what God's going to use to bring you to him, then I release you into his hands. Uh, as I read this, there are a couple of questions that come to mind that I just want to share with you today. This story really raises up, I, I think, uh, two critical questions. The first question is, in your life today, where where are you feeling the weight of care? Who who in your life is on your heart? Who's God putting on your heart right now that you know that you love that you care about that you you know right now if they were to die they would be separated for eternity. Who is that person? And now the second question I'm going to ask you is, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? I think some of the toughest prayers that we pray in our lives are prayers that say, God, I don't want a hard stuff to happen for anyone. But if it takes hard stuff, if it takes this person hitting a rock bottom, I'm praying for that. If it means that they will come to faith in you. 
I want you to think about this this week that um, maybe you take some time and whoever God's putting on your heart right now, that that weight of care is heavy. You're thinking about them for a reason. The spirit wants you to. And I'm going to encourage you just to take a little bit of time out and to, to say, God, I'm going to come before you and whatever it takes and release this person into God's hands, knowing that God's will for them is always, always good. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we're going to continue on into uh, chapter five of Daniel. I look forward to having you uh, back and with me. If this uh, podcast is helping you in any way, again, I always just encourage you to share it with someone else. I so appreciate you joining me uh, for these episodes. And as we sign off today, I'm just going to encourage you to go out and live your life in a God-sized way. God be with you. We'll see you next week.